You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. The holiness of God, but how that works in our life as well. And so I want to start tonight, we'll look at one verse of scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. If you don't have it and you're still getting situated, that's okay. I hope you do have your Bibles out, ready to take notes. We're going to cover some things. But just as a starting verse here, Paul says this to the Corinthian church, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And so we're looking at this concept of the work of holiness in our life. It's not just something we become, but it is also something that we do. Holiness is not just something that we become. Do we become holy? Well, we thank God that we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank God that He can impart His righteousness, that He can give us a blessing, amen, of righteousness in our life. He gives us access to something that we could never have on our own. He allows us to be something we could never be on our own. So in that sense, holiness is something that we become. But it's not just something we become in that he changes us. And how many are thankful for the testimony of the change that God has done in your life? How many are thankful? You believe. I I believe there was a, a, a manifest change in my life when I gave my heart to the Lord, repented of my sins, was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the gift of His Spirit. There was a change in my heart, in my person, in my mind, in my soul. But holiness is not just something that we become, it is also something that we do. And so we cannot say, well, God makes me holy and, and, and so uh, as if there's no effort on our part because the Bible is replete with example after example of admonishment telling us to become something. Uh, just like in 1 Peter chapter 1, we, we read this last week, uh, uh, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. So that denotes an action. It denotes a verb. So that means I got to pay attention here because there's something that I have to do as well. Uh, How many are hearing about these cars that drive themselves? I I just spent 16 days, a couple weeks ago, I just spent... 16 days out on the road. Uh, we took four days to drive up to North Dakota and about uh, spread out over four days working our way back. And we paused for about, I think we only paused for about five days in that time. And man, I was thinking on the way back, Brother Matt, I was like, man, I could really go for one of those cars that drives itself right now. <laughs> and they, they, they tell me, I, I, I don't have one of those cars that drives themselves yet, uh, uh, Lord willing, maybe someday in I don't know if I can trust it really alone on my own, but they say that when you're driving, it's great, and uh, you just have to touch the steering wheel. Is that right, Sister Kayla? You just have to touch the steering wheel a little bit, and uh, how long do you have to go? You have to, like, every few seconds or a couple minutes? A couple minutes. Wow, that's pretty awesome. So first time I heard it, it was like every 15 seconds, so they're getting better. So I'm waiting for that model where... Like maybe, you know, once a day you have to touch the steering wheel and it's good. And they'll just drive you all the way there. 
So, so they have these automatic cars that will drive you, but they still want you to touch the steering wheel because they want you to prove that you're awake and you're alert and whatever else. So you can be doing other things. So there's something that you have to do as well. So when we are converted by the Lord, God changes us. And, and, and praise the Lord, we could preach for a little bit. Uh, one of the greatest sermons, that, uh, uh, one of my favorite, I should say, lines in Dr. Martin Luther King's sermons. And everybody knows his speech, but he was also, he would preach other sermons. And one of, the, one of my favorite ones kind of thing was when he was, he was using the analogy of how God has changed you and upgraded you. And he was talking about, uh, you know, being different types, types and styles of cars. Well, some of you were just an old jalopy sitting in a junkyard, and then the Lord found you, amen, and he made you something awesome now. And uh, so he changes your life, but that doesn't mean that, okay, God did it, so there's nothing that I have to do. There is some effort that you have to do. If you're going to get down the highway, you've got to put your hand on the steering wheel a little bit. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, this is really deep tonight. I mean, I'm reaching really, really deep theological things here. Turn to somebody and tell them, put your hand on the steering wheel. All right. So, so maybe this is just how we'll interpret this. This would be, this is like, this is, this is like worse than, than the message. But Jesus said, be ye holy as I am holy. So I would, if I was bringing you the Andrew Romine version of the paraphrase Bible of the message, it would be put your hand on the steering wheel tonight. So that, you follow me here tonight? All right. So put your hand on the steering wheel. So you have to do something. You can't just say, well, well, God made me this way, and so I'm going to leave. No, you have to do something. There has to be some effort. And this is what the apostles were talking about. So when they're talking about the effort, they're not saying that uh, uh, some people are holy, some people are not holy because you're better and you're more special and you're judgmental and all this stuff. No, he's saying God changed us, but you have to, you have to exert some effort here. Just when you get the Holy Ghost, you don't check your brain at the door. So just because God filled me with the baptism of the Spirit and he's given me victory over sin doesn't mean, amen, that uh, I could not still, if I wanted to, sin. And so there has to be some effort here. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the work of holiness. So we, we broke this down into four Parts, four parts, and you'll see that in your outline for those that are watching online. The four parts are these, and, and, and we could share these uh, on the screen. But the first part is holiness in conversation. And we're working from the outside in, if we, if we would. But holiness in conversation. So this would include both nonverbal conversations or communications as well as verbal communications. And so that's the outermost part, the things we speak, what we communicate, what we send out there. The second layer, or going a little bit deeper, is holiness in actions. It's not just what we transmit. It's not just what we project. But now it's actually what we do. So God wants us to be holy from the outside all the way in. Now, praise God. He starts on the inside and works out. We're in this study starting on the outside working in. So God wants me to be holy in even the things I conversely say, the things I project, the things I, I, uh, I put out there, verbally or non-verbally. He also wants to me to be holy in what I do. And then the third layer and the fourth layer is what we're going to look at tonight. The third layer is holiness in desire. 
Holiness in desire. So this is the appeal, the appetite of my heart. So not only the things I say, not only the things I do, but now it's the things I desire, the things I, I, I reach for, the things I'm going for, the things I'm working towards. And then finally, the fourth thing we will look at is holiness in thought. Holiness in thought. What possesses our mind and our soul? And that is the place where you really know the miracle of God is at work. When your mind is changed, you know God has done the work. And I'm here tonight to tell you, you may be visiting, you may be online, but if you're dealing with sin, if you're dealing with doubt, despair, anxieties, and depressions, you know when there's a supernatural work of the Lord in your life because it changes how you even think. Can I get a witness in the house? Amen. How many know God can deliver us from fear? Amen. We talk about, we, of course, he can deliver us from, from sickness and disease, and we, we also talk about how he can deliver us from addictions, but God can deliver us, amen, even from our own mind. So let's begin, if we will, tonight in layer three, the third layer here. We're looking at holiness in desire, holiness in desire. Now, we think of sin as an act. What is sin? Sin is rebellion against God. It's, it is uh, basically uh, uh, rejecting God's way, doing your own sin is separation from God. It's choosing other than God. We think of sin often as an act, but God sees it as a process. So um, we, come to, we come to church and sometimes people want to confess their sins to God. They want to pray over certain things. And they're seeing it as a certain act. Well, I did this. I, I uh, uh, hope this was nobody in here tonight. But I cut somebody off today in traffic. Really, you know, my anger got away from... That's, that's not me confessing. I was pretending like I was you. Just wanted to clear, clarify that. Um, I, I don't think... Did I drive today? Maybe I did drive a little bit today. Amen. But uh, I didn't do that. But... but but sin is not just an act, it's a process. It's not just that you did that, you uh, 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 committed that sin, that evil. But there is a process that goes into play before that sin works. And this is where, this is where holiness and desire can help you, amen, overcome sin and avoid sin and flee temptation. So let's go to the book of James chapter 1. James, a great, excellent epistle in the New Testament. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. And James is writing, and he highlights here, if you will, he highlights this process for us. James 1 says this, and verse 14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Somebody say desire. So it's the desire. He's tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So now it's not just that there's a lust there, but there's actually an enticement now. It's a continual. It's a drawing. And then when lust, he says, hath conceived... It bringeth forth sin. So what does he mean by that conception? When there is given life to lust. That means that you say, well, well, pastor, 
I, I, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still in the flesh, and I'm still dealing with lust. I'm still dealing with desires. Well, you're okay. You're in good company because even the apostle Paul said, the good that I would, I do not. That which I would not, that I do. He said that, that, that evil is present with me. But when I think to do good, evil is present with me. And he was saying that the flesh lusteth against the spirit. So here he is, the, the most powerful portrait of a Christian apostle minister in the New Testament. And he's saying, when I try to do good, that there are things that rise up and say, oh, I don't want to do that. Come on, can I get a witness in the house? Somebody would just raise your hand if you're online. Amen. I have good intentions. And then all of a sudden, you feel like, oh, I don't want to do that. And so it rises up. But here's what he says. When lust hath conceived. That's an interesting point in here. Because he lets us know that there's a point where life begins. Where does life begin? It begins at conception. There's a point where your lust or your desire is given life. Okay? So what does that mean? That means that if there's a point where your lust or your desires are given life, then there's a point where your lust or your desires have no life. So just because you first had the thought or something came in you, that doesn't mean that you gave life to it. Be angry and sin not. So have you ever felt rage? Yes, you felt rage. Have you ever felt certain things? Have you ever had certain thoughts? There's certain things. You're human. It's a cue, obviously. But what, what James is saying here is that there's a point where your lust or your desires are given life, and that means there's a point where your lust and your desires have no life. It's not a problem to have the lust because Paul says... The flesh lusted against the spirit. The problem is when you give, amen, life to that lust and to that desire. And I'm not just talking about sexual lust. I know we often, in that connotation, we refer to that. But what he's talking about is all the lust and the desires of the spirit, or, or rather of the flesh, to do the things against the spirit. And then he says, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So here's the process. I don't know if we have a slide for this, but the process of sin are these four points. They may be on your handout. I'm not really sure. The process of sin, four words, desire, number one, desire. Number two, the second stage in the process of sin is deception. That's where James was talking about the What's the deception? It's the enticement. Now you're deceived. Now you think, you think it's going to be good to do this. The third stage is now disobedience. Disobedience. Now that's the third level of the process of sin. Disobedience where I've given life to this desire. And the fourth phase or the fourth final part of the process of sin is death. And that's where we find ourselves without Christ. We find ourselves in death. Even though we're alive in the body, the Bible says that we are raised from death to life. So in the natural world, everything is about my human experience. But in the spiritual realm, the kingdom of God comes along and says, you are nothing without salvation and the Savior in your life. Amen. So we are raised from death to life. I'm not looking back. 
amen, to where before he found me, before he saved me, because according to the word, I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I had no hope, amen, but now he's given me life, amen. So desire, we're talking about holiness in desire. Second, uh, or First Timothy, rather, chapter 2. Let's go to First Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 8. We looked at this last week a little bit. Uh, uh, when we were talking about, uh, I think we were talking about uh, different things uh, in conversation, and we went to this passage, here we have it. He said this, he said, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, what? Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Now we talked about that, uh, without wrath and doubting, the old English words there mean uh, without anger, and uh, apathy. And so that's what he's saying. But he said, I will therefore that men everywhere lift up holy hands. What is that? That is a public proclamation of your desire for God. Amen. Now, God does not want you to uh, go strap one of those big speakers on the top of your car and drive through your neighborhood announcing that you love God. That's not what God wants you to do. Amen. But what he's saying here is that it ought to be a public thing that you love God. It ought not be a secret. It ought not be a hidden thing. It ought not be something that you're working at to hide. But he said, I will that men would everywhere, right? Not just at the church, not just on Sunday, but everywhere lift up holy hands without wrath without doubting. So let there be a desire. Let your appetite be known. Amen. That I love the Lord. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple of the Lord. I go to church. I worship God. I don't do certain things. I, I, I follow after the footstep. He is my Lord and my Savior. There's a desire in my heart. And so do not hide that. There's got to be a holiness in your desire. So Paul was talking to men. Men, can I tell you, we've got to be careful, amen, that we don't let other people uh, be passionate for us. But Paul was specifically and expressly talking to men about our public desire for the Lord. My dad is here tonight. Glad to have him here with me for a few days this week. And I'm thankful. I'm in church today because he determined that we were going to go to the house of the Lord every Sunday. Uh, uh, I grew up not just going to church every Sunday. We went to church twice on Sunday. We went on Wednesday. We went choir practice. I can't remember when that was. Work day, whatever else. We were always there. So what did that do for me? Well, I still had to make my own decision and my own choice. But that put me so much farther down the road because uh, I was already around and it made the things of God so accessible. Brother Manuel kept other things from me. Uh, uh, I was sheltered in a good way. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Right now, pandemic's going on. What do they tell us to do? You need a sh shelter in place. What are they trying to do? Protect yourself. I'm going to tell you, spiritually, I thank God that I was raised in a sheltered environment, that other things didn't have access to me. Now, I still had to choose that. But it was no question in my life what we were going to do, we were going to go to church. This was our desire. This was our uh, uh, objection. I'm going to tell you, when you cannot let holiness, when you can allow holiness to get to the desire level of your heart, 
It makes living for God so much easier. All right. So I'm trying to help some people here. We want to, we want to be Christ-like in our conversation. We want to be Christ-like in our actions. I'm going to tell you, you don't just wake up and say today, I want to talk like Christ. No. You, you first of all, and this is where we're going, you let the mind of Christ be in you. And when the mind of Christ is in you, when Christ affects your mind, it then is going to affect your desires and the appetites and the things that, that I have in my heart. And then if it's affecting that, you won't have to worry about your actions. Your actions will all of a sudden fall in line with the desires and your mind. And then you don't even have to worry about what you're projecting, what your communications are, because there's a holiness, there's a love, there's a purity, amen, that comes out in your mouth, in your conversations, even in your unwritten body language. People are going to know. It's, they're going to see a a testimony of joy and peace, amen, a testimony, amen, of love inside of your heart and inside of your life. Amen. Where we fail so often is we're trying to address the conversation part of our life without dealing with the mind part of our life. We're trying to get holiness in our actions, and we haven't got holiness in our desires. Amen. So... Holiness in our desires. So let me give you some questions here. Let me, let me give you some statements. I would first say this. What you follow matters. What's your desire? What's your appetite? What, what are you craving? What are you going after? What are you following after? What are you following? What, uh, uh, when, and this is an old English word. Allow me to use this. What fashion uh, uh you desire matters. Now, I'm not just talking about the fashion as in clothing fashion, but I'm talking about the fashions. The, the, uh, uh, people, people have more than just a fashion. They have an aura, a aura about them. They have an attitude. They have a disposition that they've taken in their life. And without Christ... People take that disposition of pride or I, I, I'm strong, I don't need anybody else or they take the disposition uh, of sensuality or they take the disposition of, of material things and they hide behind all of that and so everything in their life is always about stuff. It's always about, uh, some people, it's about achievement. It's about success and so that's their disposition and if you haven't achieved anything then you don't matter but if you take on the mind of Christ and you follow, amen, the fashions of the Lord, amen, you're not worried about all of those other things. It will change who you are. And not only will it change who you are, it'll change how you treat other people. Amen? Can I tell you this? We don't have a race problem in the world. We have a holiness problem in the world. If you and I were holy as Christ is holy, we would never do anything but love God and love one another and not project hateful things and mean things and all these other things. We will never, that's why politics, it, 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 it's futile. It, it's, it's man's attempts at problems, but you cannot fix the things on the outside unless you first start with the things on the inside. That's why the most important thing we can do is pray and fast and let the Word and let the Spirit get inside of our heart and inside of our soul. Amen. 
So I'm not, don't misunderstand me. We don't throw everything else out. We put efforts. We work in our community. We sit down. We have conversations. We, people come together, and they do all those things. But all of those things are futile if we do not have, amen, the work of the Spirit, the work of God going on inside of our heart. Not only what you follow matters, not only what fashion you desire matters, but can I tell you this? Who you follow. Let me put it this way. For, for the uh, uh, under, uh, well, I don't know. I guess everybody today is on social media. But uh, who you follow matters. We follow people. That's, that's the big button. Follow, follow. Do you follow them? Do you follow me? Do you follow them? Who do you follow them? You follow people, follow stuff, you know, on social media. And we, we have to be careful. We follow people we don't know. And we act like they're our best friend. Hey, did you see what? So isn't it funny? Folks, just, just lighten up. It's, it's a little bit midweek here. And, and uh, you know, isn't it funny? We talk about people. Oh, did you see what so-and-so posts? Yeah, that was so cool. Oh, she didn't. Can you believe that? Oh, I can't. You know, we, we talk about all these kind of things. And, and it's okay. We follow people for, you know, whatever they do. They have this or they do this. I'm interested in that, whatever, all that stuff. But can I tell you, who you follow matters. What are you following? Amen. Can I tell you, uh, uh, just for the mere fact, not, not even of, of the stuff that's on, on uh, uh, social media, all the evil stuff, but just from the mere fact of zapping and wasting your time. Social media is detrimental. It can be detrimental in this part because you can get up in the morning and you say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to get up, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray. You can do everything, and then you get up, and the first thing you do is you, you check social media, and the next thing you know, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, going through, and you killed all of your time, and you never spent time with the Lord. Right. Who you follow matters. Now, am I against social media? No, I'm, I'm, I'm on social media. You guys know that. You understand that. But your desires, what's your desire? And our desires are illustrated the highest in secret. You know, you're on a diet. You, 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 t- you, you tell your spouse, you tell somebody else, yeah, I'm going to go on a diet. And when they're there or you're in the grocery store and you're shopping together, you, you say, um, uh, okay, we're not going to get this. Yeah, do we need this? No, we don't need this. We're going to be good. But when nobody else is there, right? I mean, you know, it's just, it's just a box of Oreos or whatever it is. Nobody else is there. It's just a sleeve of Oreos. You know, nobody else is there. You, what you desire, how you act on that is, is most in secret. And so let me pause and talk to our, our, our youth and our young generation. And let me also strengthen our parents. I, I, I have a friend who, I can't remember how old his son is now. I, I, I don't know. He, he's a teenager. He's not, he didn't just become a teenager. He's been a teenager. so probably 15, 16 years old. And his son came to him and said, Dad, I want an Instagram account. Instagram account. Now, I know a lot of people have Instagram account. I have an Instagram account. And uh, he got on there. He wasn't on Instagram account. And he said, okay, son, let's, let's look this up. Let's work this out. And so we got on Instagram. And uh, he, he texted me and some other guys. He said, oh, my goodness. He said, That's, it's, it's basically, uh, he said, pornography is just rampant on there. He said, we weren't but maybe three clicks away to full porn. You click on something, you click on something else here. And he said, so I set my son down. And he said, I may be awkward. I set my son down and said, look, I, I don't think you're able to manage this and handle this yet. Here's what, here's what we're doing and here's what we're deciding. We're talking about that stuff. Now, some people would say, oh, come on, that's very extreme. 
but you cannot be on Instagram or any other social media or the internet or whatever else and not acknowledge the reality. Just because you may not be following those people, praise God, I hope you're not following different things like that and all that stuff, doesn't mean that it's not out there. If you don't have an accountability in there, in fact, I would recommend it. It, it, it is wise for husbands and wives to have accountability, to share accounts. It is wise for you to know where your children are at. It's okay to say, look, child, uh, uh, until you're on your own, paying your own bills, buying your own phone, doing your own thing, uh, I'm going to know all the codes and all the passwords and all the other stuff on there. And this is old time preaching. I'm probably not getting very many amens anymore. But I'm talking about holiness in desire. You don't, you, don't, uh, uh, you don't sit your toddler down. Um, I, I have to tell, we have to tell our son when he has to stop eating sweets. Because if, if we didn't do it, all he would do is want sugar nonstop. The other night, we could not get him to sleep. And then I found out Sister Caitlin gave him an entire Hershey chocolate bar <laughs> before we picked him up. <clears throat> I'm still praying over that. Y'all help me pray through that one. And, and, and he'll do things, and he'll, he'll say, Dad, if I do this, can I have another, uh, I, how's he say it, marshmallow? Marshmallow. We'll, give him, we'll reward him with a marshmallow. Those things are horrible. And, and, and he'll, 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 he'll want another marshmallow. And, and if, if I didn't set him down and say, no, you need to eat good, and you, here's some good food, you need to try this, kids say, oh, I don't like that. And have you ever tried it? No, I've never tried it. How do you know you don't like it? You don't even know you don't like it. No, I only want that. Well, you don't put yourself in a situation where your desires are going to go nuts and going to go crazy. Who you follow matters. Amen. Uh, uh, let me say this. Consider, uh, consider this. It is impossible to follow Jesus at the same time you are following the world. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. And I got to hasten on. Love not the world. Does that need a paraphrase? I mean, does that need an explanation? Like, do you need to say, oh, wait a minute, I got to pull out another translation on that? No. Love not the world. Don't do it. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This ought to convict you. This ought to convict me. I should never get at a mature place in God or live for God long enough that this verse doesn't convict me. Every time I read it, wow, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Oh, Lord, help me. Help me not to be so comfortable in this world that I'm not waiting, amen, for the coming of the Lord, that I'm not ready to be with the Lord. Now, now you can say, well, I'm, you know, I, I still want to do things that go places and see things on this world. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we love the world so much. We, we, we've got to be careful. We, we talk about heaven on earth. And, and, and that's being seated in heavenly places. I know what the apostle was talking about. You know, we, we have a portion of this. But can I tell you, we do not have heaven on this earth. And so we cannot love this world. He goes on and says, for all that is in the world. Here it is. All that is in the world. Not most, not some. 
all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And here in the next verse, in verse 17, he gives us the reason why we ought not to love the things. He said, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. If you lust after this world, if you're lusting after the things of this world, I'm going to tell you, there comes a point where that will pass away. The lust will even pass away. But if you've rejected God and it's been too late, you're left in separation without God, without the lust. What a horrible place. Why does John say this? He's admonished you. Because he's saying it won't last. It's a rot. It's a destroyer. It's not going to last. Here's something that will last you forever, and that's God. So uh, um, we could talk about that holiness in desire. We could talk about that even more, but we'll hasten on. Let's go to the last one, and we'll, close, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Uh, I'm not closing yet. I don't want you to get too excited. We'll go to holiness in thought. Holiness in thought. This is the final part of the work of holiness. So we started in conversation, holiness in conversation, which is the old English word meaning behavior. And so we talked about verbal communications, nonverbal communications. Then we talked about holiness not only in conversation, but holiness in action, holiness in desire. And now we're going to holiness in thought. Not just the things I desire, but what it is that makes me desire those things in thought. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, we see the maturity of holiness achieved here in, in thought. He illustrates, he says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Can I tell you, you will not be anything that you did not think about first. You don't just say, oh, look at that, I stole something. Oh, look at that, I lied. Oh, look at that. No, that doesn't creep up on you. You, you think about that. That doesn't just, boom, there all of a sudden, you're greedy, fornicator, murder, hate, all of those things. No, you think about it. The problem is in your mind. The problem starts up here. You will not say anything that you did not think about first. Now, some people, they only think about it a nanosecond before they say it, but they still thought about it. But you will not say anything that you did not think first. People in marriage have communication issues and, and say things they ought not say. How do you stop saying things you ought not say? You don't go through this principle and say, well, if I do this and this and this and I'm going to go through this routine and I'm going to go through this, it'll keep me from saying that. No, there's a real simple way. Just change the way you think. If leaving that person is never an option, it will never come out of your mouth. You, you let that thought come in there. If, if you don't devalue that person and that person matters, it will never come out of your mouth. If you don't think about, if you don't think that way, if you think the way Christ thinks, then you don't have to worry about what you say. Now, you still need to think about what you say because the way you say things is very important. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But if what you think is holy, if God has redeemed the way you think, then you don't have to worry because as you think in your heart, so is he. Amen. You redeem the way you think and, and, and you, your actions will be those of 
the redeemed. Somebody say amen. Let's go to Romans chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2, and I'm coming to a close. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Now, what did he say? He said, present your bodies, your body. What is that? That's the essence of who you are in the physical realm on this earth. Present it as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the Lord. So there's a work, there's a charge that Paul is giving us. We've got to present our bodies holy. He says it is your reasonable service. It, it is acceptable. It is, uh, uh, it is an understandable. It, he's not asking too much. And be not conformed to this world. He's saying it just like John said, love not the world. He's saying be not conformed to this world. What's he saying? Don't follow after the world. Don't let their fashion dictate your step and take your cues from them. But he says, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be formed to the world. Don't be conformed to the world. How are you not conformed to the world? When you are transformed in your mind. Amen. Holiness can never be reduced to a set of rules because those rules are only going to deal with the outside layers. Holiness has to be something that leads to a transformation on the inner man. Somebody said, praise the Lord. Amen. We've got to have, amen, holiness in our mind, transformed in our mind. This is where pride is done away with. You're in a fight, you're in a struggle, you have anything? The Bible says that all contentions come about by pride. All contention. If you are in any kind of a conflict, the issue is pride. The root issue at the base core of everything is pride. Any relational problems that you have, the root of it is pride. He said all contentions, we can bank on that. Every single contention we have, there's pride. Pride on one side or the other most of the time. It's pride in part on both. But pride is the, is the issue. How do you deal with pride? You deal with it in your mind. Be transformed. Let the mind of Christ be in you. What was Paul talking about? He was talking about Paul. Paul was saying in Philippians chapter 2, he was saying that Christ made of himself. Amen. He came in the form of a servant, made of himself no reputation. He humbled himself. Let the mind of Christ be in you. Pride is done away with here. Hate is done away with here. Lust is done away with here. Now, do you still have lust? Well, every day you're going to have a little lust. Come on. But you don't have to let that lust conceive. You don't have to give life to that lust. Amen. If you want to write something down, don't give life to lust. Don't give life to lust. Where do, you, where do you kill it? Where do you stop it? You stop it in the mind, holiness in the mind. Let that mind be inside of you. Amen. One example, Jesus said this. He said in Matthew chapter 5, this is a pretty strong thing. Jesus said that you can commit adultery in your heart without any action. Matthew 5, 28, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. 
What was Jesus doing? He was warning. They were coming to him and they were talking about different things. They were trying to trip him up on the law and, 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 and other kinds of things. And they were doing all these horrible things. And the Lord comes along and he just totally, totally blew their mind. Because they were all about sets and, and rules and regulations. And if I do this and I do this, I can get around all of this stuff. And the Lord said, the problem is not your rules. The problem is not the law. The problem is your heart. What was he saying? He said, you can commit adultery without it ever being an action. What was he saying? He was acknowledging the point that you give life to lust. And sin, when it conceives, bringeth forth death. So this is why Paul would write in Philippians chapter 4 and 8, that same epistle, he'd say, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. What's that mean? Don't think on things that are false. Don't think on things that are not true. Don't think on things that are unjust. Don't think on things that are unpure. Don't think on things that are not lovely. Don't think on things that are not of a good report because there will be no virtue birthed in your life. There will be no praise grown in your heart. And so think only on these things. Now, we live in 2020, so we cannot interpret this without going to the context of media. Media dominates our life. I'm not just talking about the news media. I'm talking about all kinds of media, whether it's news media, whether it's entertainment media, whether it's social media, whether it's work media. We have to be careful that while we're surrounded by these things, yes, we're in the world, but we're not of the world, that we don't take on the attitude, amen, and the spirit of the world. Amen. In all of those kinds of things. Don't think on things. Now, yes, you have to get your news, but 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 I am I, I am so frustrated when I try to just I just want the news. I just just give me the basic things that you know. And every time I turn it on, it's somebody yelling against somebody else, and it's this and this. And you listen to that and you can say, Well, I like this side's view, or I like this side's view. The problem is you listen to that long enough and you're gonna walk away mad at somebody, raged at somebody angry at somebody else, and you're not even going to be able to talk to somebody in your own house in a kind manner. Hear me today. Paul said, don't let the things of this world get inside of your heart, interject how you are. Amen. We are a born-again child. Amen. I've been baptized and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So what does that mean? That means I can turn it on. I can hear that. And I can receive the information they're sharing without letting their spirit come into my spirit. Amen. That means that I can be around on the workplace. I feel the Holy Ghost here. And I can deal with all of the stuff, but it doesn't come in here. Why? Because I'm filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's a Holy Spirit. There's a filter here that says, no, this is the temple. This is the house of the Lord. Those things are not going to come into my heart and into my life. Amen. So, so, so we are not weaklings that we are subject to everything. No, God has given us victory over sin. Amen. So you say some of you, you have to work in places that are not, not, not really uh, conducive maybe to, to uh, Christian wholesome living. 
People saying things all the time. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just always this and always that. And sometimes you have no control over that. Well, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Because, because he's our shield and he's our defense. And when you've let his spirit, now, when you've let his spirit be in your heart and he's changed your mind, he keeps you from those things. He keeps you from, I can be around, I, that's why I'm not afraid. I can walk out in the world and I can go to somebody, I can shake their hand, I can be around them, I can talk with them, it doesn't matter how foul they are, how whatever they are. Now, it, it, it's, it does not get in my spirit. I don't walk away and all of a sudden walk away with that foul spirit and want to speak, you know, and cuss and all that other stuff. It doesn't get into my heart. I'm guarded there. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. So I don't have to be afraid of that. But I'm going to tell you, if, you're, if, if your religion, if your faith is only as deep as what you can see, you're going to be around that and you're going to pick that up. You, you may look the part on the outside. You may, you may have the right label. You may have the right projection. You may have all that stuff. But your desires, you're going to start desiring those things. You're going to start seeking after those things. So let me, let me challenge you to check yourself. Check what are you watching? Who are you watching? What are you following? What are you allowing your mind to dominate on? What are you allowing uh, those things to work in your heart? And holiness, when it starts on the inside, it comes out. When you let God work, when God has changed you, I want to project the holiness of God. I don't want people to be around me and feel dirty, dirty and filthy. Have you, have you ever been around somebody and you just you feel dirty? You know what I'm talking about? You just, you, or you go somewhere and you hang around something and you walk out and all of a sudden that, that smell, it like attaches to your clothes and it like lingers there. And, and, and you don't notice it, you're not aware of it. And you take your coat off and you leave it in the car and you shut the door. And then you come back hours later and you open up the door of your car and your car smells like the place that you visited because you picked up on all, all, all of that kind of stuff. No, when you have the Holy Ghost, I don't pick up all that stuff. I don't pick up all those things. And so, praise God for that. So, so here, here are the four things where the holiness, the work of holiness is in your life. You cannot, now you cannot say, well, God's changed my heart. God's changed my mind. And so I don't have to worry about how I communicate or what I say. No, that's not true. Every four of these layers from conversation to action, amen, to desire, all the way down to thought, thought, holiness. The work of holiness is there. When holiness, when God's spirit gets a hold of your heart, it's going to change the way you think. Amen. It's going to change the way you think. You're, you're, you're going to be able to think different, think things differently. You know the Holy Ghost has got, you're going to be able, I'm going to tell you, you know when you're filled with the Holy Ghost when you love people you don't like. And sometimes in life, you have to love people you don't like. And sometimes you have to recognize, life is hard. People make mistakes. People, people are the worst. But I'm going to tell you, we're all people. And thank God that he redeems us. And he redeems the worst. And, and, and so, you know, holiness, holiness will work all the way through. So it's not only going to be in thought, it's going to be in my desire. So, so you, need to, you need to mark yourself. You need to judge yourself. So I'm pastor, but that doesn't mean I, come, I, I have to come to your house and have to say, well, you're not doing this right and you're not doing this right. No, God fills you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He gives you his word. You take this into account for yourself. I'm accountable for what I teach and for what I say, but you are going to stand before God on your own. 
and you're going to be accountable. You can't say, well, Lord, I dressed the part. <laughs> and God say, well, yeah, but I didn't know you. Or, or you can't say, Lord, I cast out devils in your name. I had holiness in actions. And he said, but you're a worker of iniquity. How could they cast out devils in action, be a part of the revival dynamic of the church, but yet in their heart, he said, I never knew you. Amen. But you can't also say, come and say, well, God, I just, it was a heart matter. I, I, I didn't need to go to church. I didn't need to really let anybody know I was a Christian. I was just there. I, I knew it. I was okay within my heart. No, 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 no. That's not what it says either. Paul talks about that. Jesus talks about that. God talks about it so many times throughout his prophets. So, so here's, here's our responsibility. We close with this. The study is obviously neither exhaustive nor complete, but I've just given you the basics in two weeks that you can take, and you need to apply this to your life. And, and I, 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 here, here's the four things, four principles. Here's our responsibility. First, study. You have to study. You say, well, pastor, I don't like to study. Well, we're studying tonight. You came to church. This is study. This, this counts for study. You're, you're watching online. The second thing is you've got to know. You can't just say, well, I showed up at church. I was there. No, you've got to know this. Let this get into your heart, into your mind, so you can process. These, these verses that we read are not just words on a page, but get that into your spirit. And then the third thing you've got to do is you've got to pray. Because when you hear stuff like this, you've got to pray. You've got to say, oh, Lord, help my mind. Maybe while I'm sitting here and I'm talking tonight, while you're watching online, you're, you're thinking, wow, there's a part, there's an area in my life that I need to work on a little bit. There's some things that God's exposed. So you got to pray, Lord, help me, not only for the things that I know, but David prayed this way. He said, God, help me with the sins that I can't even see yet. There are things that I'm doing probably that I don't even know about yet. I want you, Lord, to be able to help me and to lead me because I want to be, I want to be uh, uh, right by you. And then after pray, once I see this, I have to obey it. It's God's word. It's his spirit leading me. I have to obey this. It's not, you're not going to be saved by what the pastor said or didn't say. You're going to be saved by what you obeyed in your heart and by what you trusted, what faith you put in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, in this pandemic, we don't know. I mean, we, we, are, we are writing the book as we go, as one person said. And that's obvious. It's a little obvious as a nation, as a world, as a society, with all the things that are happening. And uh, who knows? We don't know anything. One thing we do know is we don't know as much as we think we know. And uh, nobody's going to agree on it. We, we live in the age of, of uh, not a lack of information. We live in the age of information overload to where we can't even navigate the information that we have right now. I may talk about that Sunday. That was one of the prophecies that Daniel, one of the unique things that Daniel said would become us in the last days. And our struggle is not a lack of information, it's too much information and navigating that. And the Lord gave us a word for that. But in all of this, I want you as a pastor, I want to help people. I want to help people. But what happens if we can't have church? We don't even know, uh, uh, we don't even know uh, if we can have church Sunday, we don't know what's going to happen. We're doing everything we can. We're doing the best we can. But I'm going to tell you this. You have to be living for God. You've got to stay in the word. You've got to have a relationship with God. And, and our faith, ultimately, what we've always said, what we've always done in coming to church, and we thank God for that, but what we've always said was that our maturity and our Christian faith should be deeper than just the church service. Hello, 
church of the living God, God has given us an opportunity to practice what we preach. You can't say, well, well, I didn't know that. I didn't get a chance to go to church. I didn't know I had to be holy on this part. And God's going to say, uh-uh, I gave you my word and I gave you my spirit. And his spirit will lead you and guide you in all truth. You can't say, well, I was doing everything the pastor told me to do. But inside of your heart, you're still full of rottenness and, and lust and sinful desires and all those kind of things. No, that's not what it's about. We've got to, we've got to study. We've got to know. We've got to pray. And we've got to obey. And so you've got to do this. Uh, uh, I, I wish we could all come together all the time and and uh, I, I'm praying for that day. I, I believe it's going to be, again, soon. Somehow we're going to be able to get through this. God's going to give us strength. Um, but we, we need to have a, a, some of you need to have a good Holy Ghost fit. Some of you just need, we need to have a good Holy Ghost praying through. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like the old timer saying, I'm using, I'm using church vernacular and, and a Christian slang, I guess, or, or whatever you would say kind of thing here. But you just need to pray through. You need to let the Lord uh, do a work inside of your life. You need to yield. You need to, you need to let the Spirit move, speak in tongues. Let God get all over you. Some of you need to come to the altar. And you need to, we need to pray. And we need to do all this stuff. And now that we're at church and we have to wear masks and we have to social distance we got to be careful that we don't allow that to affect our spirit amen and stifle the holy ghost what he said was quench not the spirit and now that we're trying to be cautious and wise and we're not coming down and uh, praise god slobbering all over one another and and uh, uh, spitting on one another praying for one another and loving one another and hugging one another and all this kind of stuff down at the altar not that we ever did that before i just want to clarify that but you know you get what i'm trying to put here but that we, just because we can't come here, well, I just come to church and I see the three songs and I say amen a few times and I say a 60-second a prayer at the end of sermon and that's all it is and it's never changed. No, I'm telling you, we've got to have a fervency. We've got to have a desire. It's got to be in our mind. It's got to be in my heart. It's got to be in my desire. It's going to be in my actions. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can I tell you, we, we don't predicate, we don't dictate worship at CTK. Why? Because if we did, we're making a mistake. If I came and said, you got to stand, you got to jump, you got to shout, you got to run around, you got to do this. Well, what happens is we can come to church and we can obey and we can be real good, obedient and play along. And all we're doing is Simon says, but I'm going to tell you what needs to happen is we got to have a revival in our heart. We ought not have to say you stand and you lift your heart and you pray. And we ought not have to say that. It ought to just be something that happens inside of your heart. There ought to be an overwhelming of the Holy Ghost where I can't contain it. I I can't keep it quiet. I can't keep it still. We've got to have something. It's got to take place on the inside. So what does the church look like? Well, when you come to church, you're going to see people that are excited. You're going to see people speaking in tongues. You're going to see people praising and worshiping God and all that stuff. But that's not what we set out and said, we want to build a church that does this. No, we want to build a church that has God in your heart and in your spirit. We don't even say we want a church that looks this way. No, we love God and we let God dictate and let God lead us how we are because we don't want to project anything that's, that's of this world. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you stand together with me tonight? Amen. Can you lift your heart and your voice toward the Lord? Do you thank God for his word? Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you tonight. 
Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for faith that leads us. Thank you for your love, God, that's so long-suffering to us. I thank you, Lord, today. Let our desire be for you. Let our desire be for the kingdom of God and the things of God. Lord, I pray that it would not only start in our mind, but God, let it dictate our desires, God. Lord, let it address our actions, God. And let even our communications, our nonverbal communications, the way we people see us, God, the way people read us, Lord. Let it be of you, of the fruit of the Spirit working inside of our life. And I pray today, God, let the work of the holiness and the Holy Ghost be in our life. In Jesus' name. And somebody said, in Jesus' name.